everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your very, very happy hostess of the For the Love podcast. Looky here. Welcome to the show today, and everybody buckle up. Today, we are looking at sexual health. So my guest is someone you're going to want to turn the dial up for. And look, if you're listening with kids, this is a good moment to just send them on their merry way, unless you would like to have some real fun, unexpected conversations um, at the end of this hour. Um, this is, this could potentially be a headphones, um, episode that you want to stick into your earbuds. Um, but you're going to be really glad you stuck around that I can promise you. So today we have on Dr. Celeste Holbrook. She is a sexologist. You heard that right? A speaker, an author. She's literally dedicated her life to helping women achieve very soul centered sex through mental and behavioral like transformation. So, um, she's really great. You guys, Oh, you're going to love this discussion. She inspires all of us really to move through the very like laborious mental blocks that surround our intimate lives, uh, to sort of help guide us and into this sexual experience that we were spiritually designed for. She always says that her favorite moment is the spark that appears in a woman's eyes. The very instant, her confidence, her sexual confidence is reawakened. Um, this is a really fabulous conversation. This is nourishing and nurturing. Don't be afraid. Like if, if you've got some, if you struggle sexually, if this is a source of sadness for you or confusion, if you are still working to overcome like really early damaging messaging, we're talking about all of that today. Um, we're talking about some of the mental mechanics. We're talking about some of the physical mechanics. So that's what I'm saying. Buckle up, you guys. Um, you're going to be glad that you listened. I just think, wow, this is a missing message from women's health. We do not talk enough about this. Um, we focus on so many other areas while this one is so powerful and so important. And so I'm really glad you're here and I'm really glad that she is here. So I'm pleased to share with you my really like fascinating conversation with the very wonderful, very funny, very brilliant Dr. Celeste Holbrook. Um, so hi, Celeste. I am like, <laughs> I'm really, really happy that you're on the show today. Thank you for saying yes to this. Well, I cannot contain my excitement right now. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm I mean, super thrilled that you have uh, invited me to to speak to your listeners. I'm thrilled. <laughs> same, same. This is really important content to put in front of my community. And mm. you are the girl for the job. We actually met live and in person. I mean, it was only like two weeks ago, right? Maybe three. Yeah. 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 Celeste and I spoke at the same um, event outside of Fort Worth. And yeah, we huddled up in that green room. And we made some headway. I mean, <laughs> we spared no uh, words, really. We jumped right the right in. <laughs> 
I mean, there wasn't a minute lost. Um, and so I'm so happy that I got to meet you in person because I'm like, oh, yeah, she's going to be. We already had you booked for the show. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, this. Oh, this one's going to be good. <laughs> this one's going to be real good. Um, so I've I've told my listeners a little bit already about who you are and and sort of your credentials. But I know they're just as curious as I am to hear because we want to know how did you get into this line of work? Like what happened in your life that made you think, do you know what I'm going to be? Mm. I'm going to be a sexologist. <laughs> That's the thing. Mm-hmm. And I now have my dreams in life. Like how did this come about? Yeah. That's a question that I get asked a whole uh, lot. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure you do. And I love it. Well, you know, I grew up in small town, Texas, small conservative town. Like my favorite books were Reba McIntyre's autobiography and the Bible. <laughs> And so, (laughs) you know, it was just, I grew up in a conservative little town and I know you can understand this and I I went to all the purity conferences. I had the ring, I signed the contract and I was, I, I'm a rule follower. I'm an Enneagram nine and I please people and I followed all the rules and, um, you know, I waited till I was married to have sex. I don't regret that necessarily, but I was 26 when I had sex the first time. We got married right there in Austin, right right down the road from you on Town Lake. And we got married in the morning because my daddy always said, you got to get married in the morning. So if it doesn't work out, you haven't wasted the day. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. We we got married in the morning about high noon. We head to our hotel, which is the sexiest time in Texas. Super sexy. Mm -hmm. We're Mm -hmm. real sweaty. We get to our hotel. And, um, you know, I have sex for the first time and, you know, I, it was, it was awful. It was very painful. It was very, very painful. And I thought, um, okay, Mm -hmm. well, Mm -hmm. you know, my girlfriends have told me that this is going to get better, that oftentimes the first time is painful and I just Mm -hmm. needed, maybe I'm 26, maybe I just have like a rusty vagina or something, you know, maybe it's just old. (laughs) Right. So I, we left, my husband's a physician, but he was just starting medical school then. And so we left, you know, everything we knew behind and moved to Missouri where we knew nobody and continued to have really painful sex. And what happened Mm. was I started to feel angry and I started to feel very resentful. And anytime my partner would touch me, I would feel like he, you know, why, why does he want to hurt me like this? You know, Mm. and here we are away from everybody and newly married and newly married people don't know how to deal with resentment and anger and and those kinds Mm. of things. And we really, I really struggled and he was just trying to get through medical school. And, uh, so after about a year I went and saw an OB-GYN, you know, I finally told my mom after the, all of this, I, mom, this is what's happening. Like sex is really painful. It's not getting better. I thought it would get mm-hmm. better. And I just feel really badly. So she said, okay, just go see the OB-GYN. I don't know what to tell you. Go see the OB-GYN. So I did. And he did a full examination and I will never, ever forget this day, Jen. He did a full examination and he said, well, you know what, Celeste, I don't see anything physically wrong with you, but what's probably going to happen is you're probably going to have some great sex right after you have that first baby. Hmm. And I thought, wow, man, I really, Hey, don't want kids right now. Yeah. (laughs) Broke. And we didn't, that wasn't in the plan. I was in grad school and he was in med school. And, um, 
I just, I kind of leaned back and the crinkle of the paper, mm-hmm. like I remember the crinkle of the paper behind my head. And I thought, I, I can't do this. I cannot, yeah. do this. my marriage will not survive this. Yeah. Um, and it was that moment. Right. A baby feels like an unfair solution. <laughs> right. That Babies don't just, fix anything. <laughs> they don't. That was mean. Mm. Yeah. And you know what I needed was somebody to hold my hand and say, I see that you feel this resentment. I see that you're angry. I see that you're sad, that you feel a lot of shame, that you're not living up to this expectation of a wife. I needed that person. And so that was the moment where I decided, okay, I'm in grad school. I'm already studying behavior. I'm going to start studying sexual behavior because I got to fix this. Nobody else can fix this but me. I'm going to fix this. And so that's exactly what I did. And then later on down the road, I figured out, well, if I can fix it for myself, I think yeah. probably I could fix, I could help, you know, somebody else get yeah. it fixed. I have now this degree in behavior and this specialized in sexuality and yeah. um, I can probably help people too. So I basically had to walk myself through this path of, you know, hmm. deconstructing all these messages that I'd had from growing up that I wasn't worthy of sex and that I wasn't worthy of pleasure and that pleasure was only for men and, uh, right. you know, sex is dirty and all of those things created physical pain for me. I didn't really have a physical issue. I had kind of these limiting beliefs that were my issue and I had to walk myself through that and overcome those. And, and I did. <laughs> and and then you did. <laughs> yeah. You've got some kids. We did. And by the way, I have twins and I had them via C-section, so it wouldn't have helped any. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's right. <laughs> oh, that doctor's advice was terrible. Yeah, it was. Um, so let's, if we can kind of go, go back to the beginning, and you've just alluded to this, um, let's kind of lay the axe at the root of the tree here. So much of your work is about inspiring our worth, which is interesting because you're a sex expert. And so you deal a lot with like worth. Um, so can you talk for a minute about what what does feeling worthy have to do with a healthy sex life? Like what's the correlation here and how does that help us? And then ultimately like our partners, right? Man, this is such a big, big question. You know, the feeling of not being enough, not, not feeling worthy of good sex, not feeling like my body is sexy, not feeling like I'm worthy of pleasure. All of those things, those are big, big questions that bleed out into the rest of our life, in my opinion. And so you know, what I always start with is that sex is powerful. I mean, sex sells hamburgers, it sells Drano, (laughs) it brings people together, it creates life, it breaks families apart. So sex is very powerful. So if we can establish our worth and feeling really good in this place that's very powerful, and it's powerful, and I'm going to reference Brene here, it's powerful because it is one of the most vulnerable things one can do, be literally raw, organic, naked with somebody who we care deeply for often. Um, And so if we can foster that sense of enoughness in in that space, then we can feel good about walking into your boss's office and asking for a raise. You know, asking for what you want in the bedroom transcends to other areas. If you can do it in that really hard space, you can do it in other spaces. So really my work is, yes, it's about sex, 
But it really, it's about establishing that we are worthy in these very vulnerable spaces, which we're told from a, from a very young age that we are not. Mm. It's so resonant, mm. what you're saying. Um, and we're going to unpack that too, kind of as this interview goes on, because I want to, I also want to go back to some of those unworthy messages. Um, let me ask you this though. If I was sitting across from you, I can imagine, I bet, <laughs> I, I I bet 90% of the people ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking about my, um, my listeners too. Um, and the question is like, how much sex is normal? <laughs> right. <laughs> what's, and why? What's it's not the even number? fair. I know number? it's not fair. Yeah. Um, but how do we even begin to answer that question? Like how much sex is normal? Is there an answer? Is this a, is this a fair thing to ask? Right. This is the number one question I get. Is it? Yeah, it is the absolute number one question I get um, because I go speak to different places and I'll have people submit anonymous questions um, and I actually record and log all of these questions. So I have thousands of questions recorded and this is by far the number one question that I get. How much sex is normal? So I always say normal is just a dial on your washing machine. There's no way that we can say what is normal in my relationship should be normal in your relationship. We just can't say that sexuality is as individualized as our fingerprints. So what works well for me and my partner, what helps us feel connected and what helps us feel pleasure, that number may not work for you or may not work for your girlfriend or your, or your guy friend or whatever. Um, so Yes, you can look up online and find this is the average amount that an American has sex. You can find those numbers, sure. But what are you going to immediately do when you see that number? Uh You're just going to Uh, feel either really great or bad. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to compare. And comparison, especially in sex, is the absolute thief of joy. So yeah, I'm, I can't tell anybody a number. I just can't, I refuse to do it. <laughs> I have clients for you. who have, um, what I call ABC sex, which is anniversary, birthday, Christmas. <laughs> and that works for them. And that works for them. That feels connective. That feels pleasurable for oh, them. And they connect in other wow. ways that feel good. And then I have clients who have a lot more sex in that and that works. And then, mm-hmm. so it's really just about finding what works for your relationship. That's all. That's all. That's great. Uh, that's liberating. Mm-hmm. I thank you for that because you know that we're all having that conversation. <laughs> so I thank you for sort of demystifying that idea that there is one way to one way to connect sexually mm-hmm. that's right, and everything else is either too much or not enough. Yeah, because um, it's just simply not true. everybody. This is Jen. Just a quick pause because I'm super excited to talk about one of our new sponsors that's actually been brought up multiple times in this podcast, uh, most notably in one of our most thought-provoking episodes with my friend Lisa Sharon Harper. She actually um, found out so many amazing things about her lineage, which she then used that information to further her activism work. And honestly, I kind of caught the bug. And so... We're super excited as a team to have Ancestry.com as one of our new sponsors. And I'm thrilled because I just got some of my results back. And it's just interesting to see where you come from. I honestly had almost no idea about my heritage. And turns out I am 90% British. And if you think that I am now going to start walking around with a British accent, you are absolutely correct. Here's what else is cool about Ancestry. It's just a wealth of information they give you about your family tree. 
and this really amazing geographic detail about your ancestors' journeys over time. Super cool. So they have combined DNA results with over 100 million family trees to give you way more insight into your genealogy and your origins. So Ancestry wants to help our listeners find out more about their family trees. And so for a limited time now, just through June 13th, so this is short window, through June 13th, go to Ancestry.com slash for the love to get your Ancestry DNA kit for just $69. Good deal. So it's Ancestry.com slash for the love for $69. Okay, guys, back to our show. go back to the last question um, that we were just on uh, on worth because you have said that the brain is the biggest sex organ mm. and I really <laughs> that's we could just sit with that for a long time can you talk more about that do you think this is as true for men as much as it is for women or is this a women's battleground. Mm, yeah, I don't think it's gendered. I really don't. Mm. We're we're kind of conditioned to f- to see men as very physical, you know, and mm-hmm. have kind of these carnal needs, but for men and for women, sex is in 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 your brain. It starts there. Um arousal is in your brain. It starts there. So, mm. one of the most apparent ways to see this is when we think about arousal. Um there's one thing that is the biggest killer of arousal. And when I say arousal, I mean like libido, your sex drive, sure. that that kind of thing. Uh, responsibility is the biggest killer of arousal. What does that mean? Yeah. So that means like it, it makes sense that sex can make babies and babies can mean the end of sex. Like you don't feel mm. any more responsible than you do when you maybe have a kid or have really mm. a lot of stress at work or there's just so much going on. Like, have you ever, um, you know, been having sex and you can't get that contract you need to write off of your mind or that conversation mm, right. you need to have with your mom or all of those little things that continue to rattle around in your brain? Uh, so respond, this is a, a, something that Esther Perel, one of my favorite sexologists teaches is that responsibility is the biggest killer of arousal. So if we can manage what's going on in between our ears, all of those responsibilities, if that means taking your work computer outside of your bedroom or taking Hmm. the, taking the laundry outside of your bedroom or, you know, making sure that you're asking for help so that you can get into an erotic space in the evening. You know, mm-hmm. we like to say that everything that happens in between sex sessions is foreplay. So that's like that's good. how you're helping each other and how you're interacting in those conversations. All of those either lead you toward or away from a great sexual experience. So yeah, I think the brain is the biggest organ and this is for men and for, for women just to know that it's what gets you into that freedom of erotic space. Mm. It gets you there and then your body follows, your body follows it anywhere. So Mm. those are good tips. Mm. I wonder if we could, you, um, you alluded to this when you talked a little bit about your story and how you got to this, um, path as a, as a sexologist. Um, you mentioned 
I think you, I think you called it purity culture and you and I have talked about this. I, that I was also raised in purity culture. Not all of my listeners know what that is. Mm. Um, you know, that was a bit of a niche, <laughs> a niche place, mm-hmm. um, for a lot of us who grew up in sort of conservative or traditional, um, religious spaces. Um, and so in short, I mean, uh, there's a million, there's a million things to say about purity culture, but we were sort of given a lot of ideas about sex, like when to do it and who to do it with mm-hmm. and how to do it and how not to do it. And, and I think a lot of people who raised us in purity culture and taught us in that space said them, mm-hmm. I believe mostly at least from a loving mm-hmm. and a well-meaning place. Mm-hmm. I do suspect that. However, so many of those stories and even their underlying messages, they are hard to shake. Yeah. And they have stuck with a lot of us for a really long time and they were not helpful. Yeah. Not, not helpful. And so what that means is a lot of us cannot, sh- we cannot escape mm-hmm. this sense that sex is dirty. Mm-hmm. Like even after we're married right. um, or even after we've been married for years and years and years and you would think, gosh, I sh- why aren't I over this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Can you talk a little bit about purity culture? Mm. I know this is a huge, complicated, very complex um, question to discuss, but I'm wondering if there's just a place we can begin to identify the stories that might be be plaguing us Mm -hmm. sexually. And then how do we shed them? How do we um, replace them? What, what do we, where do we train our thoughts to go? So if you could just talk a little bit more about some of those early messages, what that looked like, maybe some of the damage that it did Mm -hmm. and where we go from here. Yeah. Oh man. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. That was a lot. (laughs) Yeah. No, don't, don't apologize because we have to be having these conversations, you know, and I'm so glad you're asking and I'm so glad you're going there because a lot of, a lot of us, and really it is kind of like a couple of generations. um, A lot of us have experienced those abstinence conferences and those purity pledges. And I really want to emphasize like you did that it comes from a place. I believe too, that it came from a place of love and it came from a place of the understanding that sex is very powerful, but not knowing how to deal with that message. You know what I mean? Mm, Like totally that's where it comes from. Don't have sex because I know that it's really important and really powerful, but, um, I don't know how to tell you to do it in a healthy way. So I'm Mm. just going to tell you not to do it until you're somebody else's kind of problem. (laughs) That's a summary. That's a pretty good summary. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I want to reiterate that, that it does, I believe to come from a place of love, but unfortunately what happens is it, it is sidelined with a whole bunch of shame as in Mm. sex is really powerful. You shouldn't do your, do it to your married. So if you do, something's wrong with you, or if you do, you're dirty, or if you do, you are not worthy of love anymore. Like there was this, Mm. you know, an example of chewing gum, like, would you want to chew a piece of chewing gum that everybody had chewed? And like, how awful is that saying to us as women, like my body is a piece of chewing gum or a brownie that's mostly eaten or, you know, it's just really giving these, um, pretty damaging messages. Um, Hmm. so one of the things that I work on with, 
with women who go through my courses or, or, or certainly clients of mine. Um, and something that I even teach from upfront is to, there's kind of a two-step process, become aware of what those messages are hmm. and then start to deconstruct those limiting beliefs. So let's just go through that together, you and I. So some yeah. of those messages you might have gotten or you become aware of is, um, you know, maybe dad told you your shorts are too short. Like this is a really mm. kind of a light message, right? But your shorts mm. are too short. What does that mean to you that my body sure. is, you know, the most important part of who I am or mm. my body is either good or bad or, yeah. um, what if the message, maybe somebody, maybe you tried to, um, you know, come out to your parents out of the closet. Yeah to your parents yeah. when you were 21 and you were just told that you were wrong and that was sure. that was not okay. Um, so you're given all of these messages of kind of two extremes, but you can probably think back to earlier versions of yourself that were given mm. some sort of message. Um, and what happens is those earlier versions of ourself need to feel like they belong. Again, referencing mm -hmm. Brene's work, belonging is our most important emotional need. So these mm -hmm. earlier versions of ourself speak up in our adulthood and say, hey, I still feel really ashamed about my body. Yes. And so one of the things that um, there's this really fantastic uh, uh, counselor therapist here in Fort Worth, and her name is Rebecca Jeffers, and she mm -hmm. has written what's called a, sh a shame script. And I use it with my clients and, and women that I come across and I'd love to speak it out so your listeners can hear it, but it's okay. actually just a way to talk to those earlier versions of ourselves because they, they oh, speak powerful. up. It is, hmm. they speak up. They want to feel like they belong. They want to feel heard. And when we can acknowledge them and not say, I'm not trying to push you away. I'm not trying to say you don't hmm. exist, but I'm trying to tell you that you don't have to live the current version of my life. So I'm going to read this this script out okay. to you um, and hopefully it can help some of your listeners too. Okay. So it's basically talking to earlier version of yourself. So I usually put my hand on my heart <laughs> just yes. you know, hand on your heart where they live. So younger Celeste inside of me, I feel your shame or whatever feeling it is you're feeling anger. There is nothing wrong with you. There never has been. I love you. I remember what you went through. I'm so sorry. No one was there for you. I'm here for you now. I will protect you. You don't have to live my present life and circumstances. That's my job. You can now stay safe in my heart where you belong, and I will take care of life. I am hmm. here for wow. you. I will never leave you, and I love you. Wow, that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's really important to have in my opinion, some real practical tools to deal with those things that trigger us in the current. So this yes. you can see can work for really, um, really uh, more intense things to um, sexual abuse mm -hmm. in your past and things like that. But sure. just having a tool to say like, okay, when I feel anxious, when I feel angry in this moment, who of my past is speaking up? And maybe it was from a year ago who made a mm. mistake on a project. And now I feel like I'm not worthy of doing more intense work or, you know, whatever it is, but you can use this kind of script to talk to any of those earlier versions and let them live in the past instead of your current. That's really great. Um, let's take that a step further because that work is very necessarily internal. You know, that is a, that's an inside job. 
nobody can do that for us. You know, nobody can um, really work on re-messaging um, to our own selves. So once we're sort of uh, engaged in that space, um, I'm really going to do this internal work on myself. Let's talk about what it looks like externally, because in a lot, often that that's going to manifest like just with some sexual disconnection. Mm-hmm. So, um, if we are not on the same sexual page as our partner, mm-hmm. um, if, if that is a struggle, if, if there is something sort of broken there, or if there's tension there, it seems like the logical next step would just be to talk about it. But in my personal experience and in my just experience as sort of a leader in a community of women, mm-hmm. having a conversation, a frank conversation about sex can be, it can be more intimate than actually doing it. Right, right. Um, and so if we are going to transfer some of that work to uh, a conversation with our partner, how would you, how would you instruct us, um, to bring this up? How do we, how do we have this conversation, especially if our partner or maybe just, we are reluctant to have it in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First of all, know that you're not alone. It's really hard to talk about sex for most people. Um, even with the person who you are most intimate with. So Mm -hmm. it's okay. If you feel that way, if you feel like, Oh man, it's hard for me to bring these things up or hard to say, I don't like that actually, (laughs) or, Mm -hmm. um, or I do want more of this, you know, it's, it, it can be really difficult because it's such a vulnerable thing that it feels really kind of sacred and big. So one of the things I always um, tell people if they're having trouble communicating is give yourself a platform. We are never actually taught how to talk about sex. We're taught how to drive. We're talking about how to talk about finances and all of those things. But sex is a learned behavior just like eating and exercise and all of those other Mm. things we do. Um, But nobody's teaching us really very well. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, so give yourself a platform, find, you know, 20 questions. Like I've created 20 questions that Good. I give people like, okay, here's some questions that maybe you haven't thought about asking. Like, what is your favorite view during sex? Or mm-hmm. what can I do during the day to help you feel sexual at night? You know, those kinds yeah. of things that maybe don't naturally come up because what happens a lot of the times is, you know, one partner will say to the other partner, baby, what do you want? And that's a really hard, intimidating question for it a is. lot of us, right? Because I don't really know exactly sometimes. I want tacos. Yeah. I want a margarita right. and tacos. <laughs> totally. That's what I want. <laughs> um, so, you know, having a more intricate discussion about like, yeah, I really like it when you touch me here after mm-hmm. we've been getting going for a little while, or I like to be kissed here at the very beginning, you know, having mm-hmm. some of those harder conversations may be more helpful with a platform to start with. That could be an article that you're reading together or, a, you know, a list of questions or, you know, anything that can be a platform to talk about it. And lots of times it's easier to talk about when you're not in that moment, you know, when you're, it's over dinner or date night or, you know, <laughs> after your m- movie or whatever, you know, just something that's not in that really raw organic space that can maybe feel a little bit more intimidating. Mm, That's great. And those resources exist. Yeah. So I appreciate you saying there's, we can be a learner here. Like we're a learner in any 
capacity in any field. Um, it is possible to do a little research, do a little homework, bring a little resource along. Mm -hmm. Here's 20 questions I printed off <laughs> from Celeste's website. I mean, right. that's useful, right? It's useful. And it's okay to not um, just intuitively or naturally know what to say or what to ask. Absolutely. Hey, everybody, it's me, Jen. Um, quick pause in the show for a minute to tell you about a pretty cool new resource from someone I have recently learned about, and I'm so glad that I did. It's Jordan Dooley, and she's the founder of the Soul Scripts shop and community for women. She's basically a go-to for young women to find daily inspiration and resources and coaching to equip them in their faith, in their relationships, their health, their careers. So Jordan's statement to her followers and readers is this, your brokenness is welcome here. And she encourages women basically to overcome the lie that you cannot achieve your true purpose until you reach certain goals or milestones, which is just a great message, honestly, for all of us. All right. Jordan has a special offer for the listeners of our show. So when you order her new book, Own Your Every Day, you get access to an exclusive online course from her for absolutely free. It is a $399 value, guys. Totally free. So this course helps you identify your best ideas, prioritize your projects and your passions. I mean, it's just great stuff, honestly. It's packed. So to get this offer, you're going to go to waterbrookmultnoma.com slash for the love Jordan. That's Waterbrook, like you think, Multnoma, M-U-L-T-N-O-M-A-H, waterbrookmultnoma.com slash for the love Jordan. So get Jordan's book today and this whole entire great course for free. All right, back to our show. So what about those of us listening who have been married or had the same partner for a lot of years? So, you know, like anything and everything, it's just, you know, it's easy to fall into a routine, um, in life in home in all of it. So, um, what if, what if sex in that capacity gets, uh, boring? Like what if we want something more? How, how do we bring anticipation and excitement and like desire back into our relationships that may be older or with more longevity? Like how do we reconnect with our partner on a sexual level when we've logged so many years together mm -hmm. just relationally? Mm -hmm. Such a great, great question. And I think dovetails nicely from what we were just talking about. Because, you know, asking questions of your partner is a lifelong endeavor. Being curious about each other's bodies and about each other, each other's life is a lifelong endeavor. So you're going to have, you know, relationship after relationship after relationship with the same person over the course of your life. So continuing to be curious about our own bodies and continuing to be curious about our partner and their needs, wants, and desires is whatever, what, what you got to do. Like, it's just uh, mm. kind of a non-negotiable if you want to be in a long-term relationship. Um, so, but the, but it happens, things get into a rut and you're doing the same three things, you know, every Thursday yeah. at five Yeah, <laughs> right. Or, right. or not doing it when you want to be. So, um, 
So one of the things that I think I hear a lot is I wish sex, Celeste, I wish sex was more spontaneous like it was mm-hmm. the beginning of our relationship. Mm-hmm. So I want to debunk this myth of spontaneity. Okay. Uh, so I don't think there's, there is such a thing as spontaneous sex. I think spontaneous sex would be like you're walking down the sidewalk and all of a sudden you're having sex. What? <laughs> <laughs> right. No. Not sex that anybody wants to be having, but sure, that seems terrible. <laughs> yeah, but sex just happened a little bit more easily in the beginning of your relationship because it was more on the mind, it was more on the brain, yeah. Um, yeah. and you probably you may not have had as many responsibilities. We know that responsibility is the biggest killer of arousal, so mm, right. maybe you didn't have kids at the time, and maybe uh, you know you were in college, or you know there was mm-hmm. there was yeah. opportunity for you to have sex that wasn't so difficult, so. Sex mm. at the beginning of a relationship feels more spontaneous because you're already your brain is already working to get there. Like you know, I know Thursday night I'm going to go play Scrabble at my partner's house. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm going mm-hmm. to shave my legs. You know, sure, <laughs> right. So it feels more spontaneous because it's already your brain is already working to get there. So you can yeah. recreate that in, in a long term relationship. You can recre- recreate that anticipation. Um, just by creating some intention around sexuality. So I often will have couples say, okay, you know, to get the spark back, why don't you make, you know, this Thursday, you're going to, you're going to plan to have sex, but get it on the brain first. And this kind of scheduling piece only works if you start the hustle, you know, and Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah. So you can increase some of that anticipation, but it also, it does two things. It increases some anticipation, but it also reduces the anxiety of, oh my gosh, when are we going to have sex? It's been this long. I'm not really sure. Is it going to happen? Is it going to not happen tonight? I don't know. I don't know. Instead, it's like, oh no, I know it's going to happen Thursday. So guess what? I'm off the hook Tuesday and Wednesday and Monday. And we can really connect even physically in ways that feel really good where there's no pressure to have sex. Good. So by bringing the pressure off for lots of us as partners helps us go into an erotic scenario situation where we can fully engage with sex because we've had the pressure off and the touches are just simply touches and the hugs are just mm-hmm. simply hugs and they have no other meaning behind them on these other days except for connection. And that's really beautiful. But it takes some very intentional... Um, intentionality around sex to create that anticipation and reduce that anxiety and when you've been in a relationship uh, for a significant amount of time. That's great. And it's possible. Mm. I mean, that really is possible, even if those embers feel pretty cooled. Um, you know, one good make out in the middle of a day, mm. well, that'll just set you on fire. <laughs> right. I mean, wow. Right. Yeah, it's possible to rekindle. That's not out of reach. I appreciate how you said a minute ago that just the price of admission to a long-term relationship is that you have to stay curious about just your own body needs and wants and desires and your partners. That's just true and real. There's not really a route around. So let me ask you this because, well, the inevitable is happening. We uh, are not the spring chickens we once were. So, you know, as we're getting older, my body is changing. Brandon's body is changing. This is the same for all my listeners. Mm. Um, You know, we're getting bigger or smaller or more wrinkled, more stretched. And obviously this is inevitable, um, but isn't necessarily welcomed because we live in a world that prizes Mm -hmm. young, Mm. tight, 
fresh bodies, <laughs> which we're working very hard to dismantle yes. this podcast. Yes. Too. And I appreciate that. <laughs> Our culture is going to do us no favors here. You know, we cannot look to um, big marketing or the beauty and anti-aging industry to help us in the slightest. And right. so how do we feel or develop maybe self-compassion toward ourselves and our bodies mm. that we Maybe we wish we're different, or maybe we wish they were kind of like the ones we started our sexual journeys with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do, how do we end up feeling like we're enough physically, uh, especially if um, maybe our sex life even makes us feel like we're not? Yeah. Yeah. Such a great question. And I think the key term that you have used is self-compassion um, because we've kind of changed our trajectory from self-help to self-compassion, which I really, really love. Um, it's not do all these things and then you'll feel better, <laughs> you know, yeah, right. which we used to feel like, you know, if I just lost 10 pounds, if I just, you know, had bigger boobs or smaller waist or blah, 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 then, then I could be a sexual being, but my friends, you're all sexual beings just the way you are. And I'm, I'm like standing up in my office right now because I'm so passionate about this. I just love like the work that the I Way campaign uh, campaign is doing. And, oh yes. Oh my goodness, Jamila Jamil. Yes, like, I had I had Jamila on my podcast. I don't know if I told you that, but yeah. I've I mean I love her. Yes. I cannot get enough of what she's doing in the world right now. Oh, it's changing the way we're it's changing the way we're thinking about our our bodies. Just like looking at Instagram can make you feel like crap. Looking at Instagram can make you feel better too. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. By following the, the, the people that feel empowering to you and the accounts that feel good to you, the more that we kind of sink into this message of I am enough just as I am, the easier it is to feel sensual. Like sex to me is sensuality is basically the study of presence. Like if we think about babies, babies are, are as sensual as they come. Right. And because sensual is just a description of using all of your senses. So if you set a toddler out in the grass, she's, you know, she's feeling the grass, she's putting it in her mouth, she's smelling it, she's throwing it up in the air to see if the wind takes it. Right. So getting back to our sensuality has nothing to do with how we look and how we like the space we take up in the world. It has everything to do with creating presence for ourselves and really sinking into what does the feel of his skin feel like to me right now? And the, the coolness of the fan blowing on, on my naked butt, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. it's those sinking into sensuality that, that creates amazing sexual experiences. It's not mm. the way that we present ourselves in the world. That's just so refreshing to hear. Mm. Let me ask you a more clinical version of that question. Yeah. Um, and of course, my 25 year old listeners are going to be like, what the heck? (laughs) But for my listeners who are closer to like my age group and even North of me, as we get older and we're moving through later stages in life, like Mm -hmm. specifically through menopause even and beyond, what would you say as a real practitioner, what should we start expecting from our bodies sexually? Um, how would you prepare us for those really, really some real physical changes and, and, 
does desire ever go completely away? Like, mm-hmm. how would you counsel us as we are moving into that season of life? Yeah. So we continue to remain sexual beings throughout the course of our life. We're born sexual. We die sexual. That doesn't ever necessarily go away. Our, our mm-hmm. sexuality doesn't go away. Um, desire waxes and wanes depending on your life stage and life cycle and your life experiences for sure. But in a very practical way, as we age, you know, things like your vaginal tissue becomes less elastic. So you might not create as much vaginal lubrication. So you need to have a a great lubricant at your bedside table and don't be afraid to use it and don't associate your vaginal lubrication with arousal. Like you could feel aroused Mm. in your brain, but maybe your body's not responding in the moment. And so you help it out a little bit and that's totally okay. Right. Um, so I, like I had a, I'm thinking about this woman that came up to me, um, not long ago after a presentation and she, um, you know, in a private moment said, I've had, you know, I've had a double mastectomy and I no Mm. longer have breasts and we're having a really hard time having sex because I, a, I don't feel feminine and B, uh, our sex, our sexual script always started with breast massage. So how do I, how do I navigate this? You know? Um, and this is a very common thing thing. Our body changes and maybe the way that we initiate sex needs to change too. Or what about if I've gained some weight or some positions aren't available to me anymore, or my partner has a colostomy bag now or has limited mobility. So all of these sure. things happen and it's in that those moments that we start to redefine what sex is going to look like for, for you at this stage. You know, maybe um, maybe your sexual script doesn't start with breast massage. Maybe it now starts with a, a lovely back massage or kissing mm. all over your neck or doing something really, you know, different and new. But it takes some practice to be able to tell our partners I don't want you, you know, maybe I don't feel comfortable you touching my, my scars from my mastectomy, Mm. you know, maybe I want you to start at, you know, on my, on my thighs or something like that. Mm. So it's just kind of this redefinition of how sex starts and, and, and what it kind of looks like over the course of time and aging and just things that happen through life, even emotional things like you've lost a loved one and you really, you really do not feel the freedom to get into that erotic space and for a Mm. while you know, and that's okay. That's okay. Mm. Let me ask you this super fun question. (laughs) How, how do we talk to our kids about sex? This kind of closes the loop from earlier because (laughs) I'm not sure that I'm not, we don't want to necessarily duplicate the way that we were talked to about sex. Um, that felt really not great and had some hard repercussions that we're still, a lot of us still kind of digging out of. And so, um, I don't help us know, like, what is the pendulum (laughs) here and where do we land and what is healthy? And uh, this is a really enormous question, but, um, how do we make sure maybe that they just don't grow up with harmful narratives about themselves, about their bodies, about their worth, about sex itself? How do you, how do you talk to women or, or men for that matter? How do you talk to parents mm. about this? Yeah. So yes. <laughs> yes, um, I know. It's a big, it's, a big it's such a big question. And, um, my first response is always, we must understand our own sexuality. We just must. Mm. We just must understand our own sexuality um, in order to have a narrative that is healthy for our children. So get to know yourself. What do you really feel about sex? Are there these limiting beliefs rolling around in your head, 
as well as there is in anybody's about what sex is for women or men or for anybody and, and get really comfortable there. And then the next question to ask is what do I want for my child's sex life in his or her future? Hmm. And if the answer is I want my, in the future for my kid to have healthy, pleasurable, connective sex, then start to build some education around that goal. That's good. Yeah. So at the very beginning, I always say, you know, establish yourself as a trusted source for sexual questions always, because they're going to get, they're going to get information. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Fact. Yes. So establish yourself as the trusted source for sexual information. And you do that from the very beginning, you know, naming their body parts, the correct thing, vulva and penis, you know, and, and continuing to use that correct verbiage. So when they're, you know, eight or nine or 10, you don't have to say to them, well, actually I was telling you it was your pee pee the whole time when really it's your penis, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. Um, so start early, start having those conversations early and know that sex is not a talk that you have once it's a conversation that matures as your kiddo matures. Um, mm. you know, and, and above that, make yourself the person they come to with questions and, and you're going to be fine. You're going to be That's fine. Great. Yeah. No, That's great. No, don't be scared. Um, you know, it's okay to feel nervous about talking about this really sensitive subject. It's okay. I mm. felt nervous talking to my kids and I talk about sex hmm. all day, every day. That's true. It's okay. I love, you told me that a couple of weeks ago and I loved hearing that, that just, you normalized that a uh, little bit of anxiety around that conversation. But I think also it gets easier. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, it's for people standing on the very precipice of, you know, cracking open that discussion with their kids, it feels like daunting. But <laughs> once you've had 29 of them, <laughs> like, you know, like, the, the shine's worn off and it's, it gets a little bit easier and it gets a little bit more normal. And, um, I think our kids will ultimately be so grateful for that. Even if they cringe, it's okay if they do, they're going to, yeah. um, but even if they're like, ew, mom, gosh, uh, I think ultimately they'll be really grateful for the instruction. I know I can't count how many times we've sat around me and my girlfriends and been like, I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't, <laughs> right. I got some weird information and that's not a conversation we had at home. Right. Um, and so, you know, we don't want to do that again either. Right. We don't want to perpetuate that. We never talked about it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, sort of family dynamic either. So thank you for just sort of, peeling that back and saying you can do this yeah. and it's okay to feel a little bit squishy about it and you can still do it. Yeah. Hey guys, hope you are enjoying the show today. I've got a super quick message about a new sponsor that I am personally thrilled to be working with now. I don't know how you guys pack for a trip, but for me, there are degrees of packing, right? Short trips, longer trips, trips where I have to have multiple options of clothes, like tour. Um, and so the dilemma is always what suitcases to take. Um, not to mention all the things we need, like our computers, our iPads, our phones. Okay, well, Away became my new BFF last year for travel with their amazing suitcases. They have selections that are really right for any trip. They've got the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, which is the one I use, by the way, fits in every single airplane I've ever been on, um, the medium or the large, you know, for your big trips. So their suitcases are very durable and they are so lightweight. They almost weigh nothing. 
And I love this and use this constantly. The interior features a compression system that is perfect for, let's call us overpackers. Also, both sizes of the carry-on are able to ding, 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 charge all your cell phones, tablets, e-readers, anything that is powered by a USB cord. So you've got to check these out. And Away is extending such a deal to my listeners. You can save $20 off one of their suitcases. You just pick by visiting awaytravel.com slash for the love, and then use the promo code for the love during checkout. Okay. So one more time, that's awaytravel.com slash for the love for $20 off any suitcase using code for the love at checkout. I'm telling you, you are going to love it. All right, back to our show. Okay, let's let's wrap this up. I um I we're asking all the experts in our health series these three questions. They can just kind of be off the top of your head, whatever whatever comes to mind. Here's the first one. What's one uh, either small or simple thing that you do every day to take care of yourself? Mm. Um so I have like the generic answer is I do move my body every day because I just need that to not, you know, assault people in my house. But mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> um, mm. I think the probably the most vulnerable thing is that I do heart work every day. I talk to earlier mm. versions of myself and uh, to be quite honest, I was doing some heart work right before this interview because I was nervous and I was going, okay, mm. feeling, feeling a little bit anxious. Where does that anxiety sure. come from? It's an earlier version of myself that tells me I'm not smart enough to do an interview with uh, Jen Hatmaker. Right. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to talk to those ladies back there, you know, That's from right. my past and, and tell them like, I hear him, but you're no longer going to live this version of my life. That's really strong. <laughs> like, I'm not going to forget that. I, mm. Um, I just, I find that entire approach incredibly, incredibly powerful. And it's also safe because it doesn't shame that earlier version. Yeah. It doesn't say shame on you for feeling it that way. Mm-mm. It's kind. It's so nurturing. I just, I'm so convinced that if we can figure out how to um, be really maternal to ourselves in every way, mind, body, soul, um, we would just, we would just be so much healthier. You know, the way we mother other people, why can't we, we're so mean to ourselves Mm -hmm. for you. Cause you have this very interesting and specific field. Who's one teacher that you love, that you recommend a lot that you've learned from who's impacted your, your physical or your mental or intellectual or spiritual health. Yeah. It's hard to choose just one, but if I had to, I had to choose just one about sex in particular, it would be Dr. Emily Nagoski. She wrote a book called come as you are and she's everywhere on NPR and all of these, all of these different outlets. And she's just, she's just doing it and not being precious about it. (laughs) You and I talked about this (laughs) and she's really inspiring to me and has helped me in my own, you know, kind of sexual and spiritual journey. And she's just, she's just fantastic. But you know what? I'm going to add another one is I also, I love the Enneagram as you do. And I have an Enneagram coach. Her name is Erin Bowdy and she has helped me really understand myself and my, and my business, um, Mm. through the eyes of my nine-ness. So I would say those two people are very good teachers for me. (laughs) That's a whole interesting, I think you and I touched on this when we talked a couple of weeks ago, 
the idea of adding some Enneagram layer mm. to sort of our sexual understanding and health is very fascinating and not anything I've ever heard or seen. Also, I, the, the book that you reference, Come As You Are, has been really important to several of my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm glad that you said that. We'll link to that, mm-hmm. listeners. I'll have that over at jenhatmaker.com. You can link. By the way, Come As You Are, it is a... Um, a double entendre, the title. <laughs> so if you can imagine, she yeah. means what she says there. She does. She's a sexologist. <laughs> um, okay. Here's the last one. Of course, we ask every every guest, every series, this Barbara Brown Taylor question, which we love. And you can answer it as seriously or as not seriously as you want to. Okay. Uh, what is saving your life right now? Oh, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> so honestly, female comics. I just love stand-up comedy. (laughs) I love Whitney Cummings. I love Jessica Williams, of course, Amy Poehler, and then just funny women. You, Glennon Doyle, you know, Tina Fey. Um, They just teach us how to be real big in our voices but not lose our audience, be real big and relatable. And that's what I I feel like I have to do over and over. And so I just learned so much from female comedians. (laughs) Amy Schumer, Chelsea Handler, all of them. I love them. (laughs) That is Uh, No one's ever said that um, to that question. And I love it so much because female comics have, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, been incredibly formative to me Yes, um, in every way, just uh, in personality, in career path, um, in skill. And so I love that answer. (laughs) That is so, so fabulous. Um, Did you watch the um, YouTube, I think it was on Netflix, the comedy special with Nanette? Oh my goodness. Life changer. Life changer. I just didn't see it coming. I mean, she's obviously hilarious, but as tender and precious as that interview turn or that comedy special turned, I'll I'll link to it listeners because it is pretty... It's pretty powerful. Okay. I love that answer. That made me really happy. Um, Also, you make me happy. And I am so thankful for your candor. Um, I, this is just a conversation we should be able to have with frankness and without shame. Mm-hmm. And you're teaching us that you're modeling for it. Like I'm, as I'm listening to you today, I'm thinking this is great modeling. We can just hear like a very capable and woman just speak normally, mm-hmm. um, about sex in ways that are healthy and true and good. And, uh, we need a lot more of this, mm-hmm. a ton more of this. So I'm really sorry for your early sexual experiences that had you turn your car into the curve, but I'm so happy that, mm-hmm. that you did. Um, <laughs> and that now your life's work has kind of come out of a place of struggle mm-hmm. that's now been redeemed and is beautiful and wonderful. And, um, I am grateful for your expertise. I just, I know that a lot of things you said today are falling on really like soft ears mm. and that makes me so happy. Can you just tell my listeners quickly, like where to find you, anything that you're working on? Yeah. Well, thank you for those really kind, lovely words, Jen. It means more to me than you probably know. Um, so you can find me at inspiringyourworth.com and that's my website, or you can look me up at Dr. Celeste Holbrook on Facebook and Instagram. Um, 
and I just like to meet women where they are. If you have a group of ladies, I will, I will virtually be there. I will, you know, Skype in, I will come meet you and, and do a Q and a for your audience. Um, I just like to meet women where they are. I also have online courses, one specifically, uh, called elevate that could be very interesting for your listeners. It's, um, basically about overcoming sexual, uh, barriers like libido, sexual shame, painful intercourse, that kind of thing. So if it's something, you know, you know, you need a little bit more help on and you want to do something kind of on your own in private, you know, an online course kind of like that would be very helpful for you. And then I, I also see clients virtually in my practice here in Fort Worth. So that's perfect. How you can find I will make sure that they have every bit <laughs> of information to contact you, to find you, your coursework, your personal online work. So guys, um, you can go to jinhatmaker.com underneath the podcast tab. We'll have it all. Yeah. Every single thing that Celeste just talked about, we'll make sure that you have access to. Um, thank you for being on. I'd love to have you on again sometime. I've got more questions. I've got more answers. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, thank you. Thank you for your work. Thank you for being here. You are. I'm so happy to have met you and that I now know you to be able to share your work and your resources with my community. I'm so grateful. Well, the gratefulness goes both ways, Jen. You are just a North star for many of us. So thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Awesome. Gosh, I'm super into her. Uh, I'm also so happy that I met her a couple of weeks ago because she is so engaging and interesting and she's a really good listener and she's really kind hearted and um, just feels like a really trustworthy leader and guide through a conversation that so many of us struggle to have. I hope this was useful to you. I mean, there's, we scratched the surface. So there is so much more to Celeste's work that you have access to. And I, like I said, I will link it all over at jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab for this episode. And um, I feel she's just a very hopeful leader. Didn't that feel hopeful to you? Like no matter how hard or difficult there, that sex has been in your life, in your marriage, um, no matter what sort of history surrounds it, there's possibility still, right? Like hope springs eternal. And, um, so much goodness is in front of us. And so I'm really grateful to her for her approach to sexual health and to women and their bodies and their partners and fabulous, fabulous. Thanks for listening today. You guys, um, if send this on, this is one of those conversations that women just don't have enough and this is not put in front of us enough. And so this is a great conversation starter between you and, um, your partner, maybe. Maybe that's who you send it to, to say, just have a listen. And there's some things in here I want to talk about. And maybe if you listen to this first, we can get started from there. Uh, anyhow, thanks for being a part of this amazing podcast community. You are the very best. I love the health series. We've got some more great guests in front of us. I cannot tell you how good this podcast is for my own life. <laughs> like if it serves you at all, great. I am happy about that. I know that it does because you tell me all the time. However, I do want you to know this podcast has served me. I can chart some of my spiritual and emotional and physical improvement and health to things that I have learned from my guests and how deeply their messages have embedded in my own personal life. And so if it serves you too, well, then that's just a double bonus for me because it's absolutely teaching me as well. Thanks for listening, you guys. Thanks for subscribing. If you haven't, click over there and subscribe to the podcast. It'll just show up on your phone every week. It's fabulous. Um, so on behalf of my team who works super, super hard on this, uh, Laura and her um, crew, my producer, and then Amanda, my assistant, who does all the 
builds out the whole website page for you every week. Um, we're just glad you're here. It's grateful to serve you guys. See you next week. Hey, everybody, quick break in just to say thanks for listening to our show today and to share with you about another great avenue of listening that'll make us smarter and more connected. Obviously, I know you've heard of Audible. It's where tons of inspiring voices and compelling stories open up for us. Now, Audible members get more than ever before. So members choose three titles every month, one audiobook, plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Uh, Members also have unlimited access to more than a hundred audio guided fitness and meditation programs, which are amazing. So with their very, very convenient app, members can access Audible anytime at the gym, while commuting, on the go, anywhere, and on any device. So you can explore all the ways listening on Audible can help improve your mind and body and soul with all kinds of stuff, entertainment, information, inspiration. So here's what Audible is offering you today, a 30-day Audible trial and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals free. Super easy. Visit audible.com slash for the love, or you can just text for the love to 500, 500. Okay. You could even get one of my books. Hello. And hear me reading it. I have read my last two books. So either for the love or of mess and moxie, that's my voice right into your ears. So one more time, that's audible.com slash for the love, or just text for the love to 500, 500 for your absolutely free 30 day trial. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.